welcome to episode four of a podcast from We Can Cumbria, which is a wellbeing hub brought to you by ICANN Health and Fitness and kindly supported by Cumbria Community Foundation. My name's Jenna Sutherland. I'm wellbeing coordinator at We Can in Carlisle, as well as your host today. Today, I'm joined by Andy Hill. Andy has bravely offered to share his experiences of the last year with us. Sadly, he's been suffering with bereavement during isolation after losing his beloved mum to cancer in June last year. Andy, thanks so much for being here today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, Can we start by honouring your beautiful mum um, by you telling us what she was like? Tell us a little bit about your mum. Oh, where do I start? Um, So my mum was born and raised in Carlisle's group in Houghton. Um, She worked in town all her life. She worked for a a jewellery shop um, for my uncle. Uh, she, She had tons of friends good family, loved by so many people, uh, big gym goer, used to love going to the gym, um, was always interfering in her boys' lives, <laughs> sometimes good, sometimes bad, but all, you know, all good when, as you, when you look, as mums do, you'll know that. <laughs> um, but no, she was just, she was a, a wonderful lady, she had, like I say, she had lots of friends, she was really popular, um, and that was actually shown on the day of a funeral, the amount of people who lined the streets and things. Um, yeah, just yeah, a great mum. That's all I can, yeah. the best tribute I can give her, really. Absolutely. Um, obviously, I met your mum. We've um, been colleagues and friends yeah. for a few years now, so I met, met her um, in, we were just discussing December 2019. Yeah. I think that yeah, would yeah. have been. Um, and we were just chatting about how that was around the time that she found out that she was poorly. Yeah, so she she found out she got her official diagnosis um, in the January of twenty twenty, um, and but prior to that she'd not been feeling too great. Um, she'd been complaining of a lot of pain in her back, mm-hmm. um, which at first was put down to her going to the gym and 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 stress because believe it or not she'd actually lost both her parents in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. so she was suffering quite badly from from bereavement. So a lot of it was put down to stress, but then obviously one thing led to another. And then she was diagnosed with with pancreatic cancer in the in the January. Yeah. And then, can you tell us a little bit about that time between the January when she got that diagnosis until she passed away in the June? Yeah. Um, January. So she gets the diagnosis in January. Um, she, like I said, she wasn't feeling well in the months leading up to it, and she was she was being sick, and she was you know she was really not feeling well at all. Mm-hmm. So she gets the diagnosis and my, to be fair, my, my middle brother, James, he was he was taking her through um, to get scans and things done. She, she'd been referred over to the Freeman by then because mm-hmm. they obviously deal with cancer patients and things. Um, they did a couple of close-up scans. I originally thought it was in a bowel and then they did a couple of close-ups and they saw that it was in a pancreas. Mm-hmm. Um one thing led to another with the scans and the quickly established that it was inoperable. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was obviously suffering really badly from it. Like I said, her health was deteriorating quite rapid. So we were quickly told that her options were limited. Um, chemotherapy to control the tumour was the only real option other than, you know, other palliative care. Mm-hmm. Um, she opted to start chemotherapy. Um, she began that in the March. Now, obviously, COVID was hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of things at play. Um, we managed to get our first chemotherapy session in, in Carlisle in a, a place called Reva Corp or Reva House, I think. 
and um, James went with her. She had a first session and she reacted really badly to it. It was a really aggressive form of chemotherapy. So lockdown then hits. She develops sepsis, which is terrible at the best of times to get, even if you're in good health. Um, So she was taken into hospital and it was really a hairy moment for her. She spent about a week in hospital. She recovered from the sepsis and she went and did a bit of R&R somewhere and uh, rested up for a few weeks. And we were th- she then had an appointment with the oncologist. I think it was around the middle of April over the phone. And they made the decision, nothing to do with COVID, but they made the decision that due to her health, they were going to pause chemotherapy for a while. So she had another six weeks to try and, as they say, build herself up. Yeah. She then had another session of chemotherapy in the May, which was a very watered-down version of what they give. Um, I, I'm not sure whether it's because they have to be seen to be offering something, but they they gave her a, a weaker form of chemotherapy. Yeah. And it didn't do anything, to be honest. Mm. It, it it really it, it didn't make any difference. She was getting really weak, and she made the decision to... She, she had a nurse coming every day to change. Um, she was on a driver. Uh, like a syringe driver, which puts all of her drugs and things into it like intravenously. Mm-hmm. So she had the nurse coming in every day and mum made the decision with the nurse on the 1st of June that she'd go into the hospice, mm-hmm. spent three weeks in the hospice and then and then passed away in the hospice yeah. after five months. So it was a very quick, from being in good health to not being here. Yeah. It was just like a blink of an eye, really, especially with obviously everything going on with mm-hmm. COVID and, and stuff like that. Can't even imagine um, how that must have felt for you during that them, the space of them five or six months. Um, but going back to when you were given the news, mm-hmm. um, I know I spoke to you at that time. But how did that feel for you, knowing what you were facing? I'll be honest, I was in complete denial at first. Mm. Uh, I was given the news. We found, like I said, we found out kind of late November, early December that um, when we've been having some tests and some things that came back not looking great mm. um i was in complete denial at that point i i just thought that this was going to be something she'd go over and she, she was 62 at the time she, she was 63 when she died i just thought it'd be something she'd go over and it would be something that we could move on from within a year mm. um then as one thing led to another it became a very real experience almost a bit of a blur, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only in the last couple of months I've really been able to sit down and kind of reflect on it. Um, just one of those experiences that you wouldn't want anyone that you love to go through, mm-hmm. just to watch them deteriorate in such a way. It was just terrible to see. And it was made worse by the fact that me, me and my mum, like she has with, with all three of her boys, we've, we've got a very close relationship to her. Mm-hmm. she did a lot for me especially recently I've had a few personal issues recently and she's she done loads for me little things like not being able to give her a hug mm-hmm. and tell her you know that I mean if I, I could say it to her I could say it to her but not to be able to hold her hand to give her a cuddle mm-hmm. when she was upset I had to be two metres away obviously because I didn't want to catch in, mm-hmm. catching COVID or anything um all I could really do was go to the chemist every day, medication, yeah. drop off at a doorstep, um, ring her. She was slept quite a lot throughout the five months that she wasn't obviously being ill. Um, so, yeah, that was just a bit of a 
It was a strange experience mm. made worse by obviously the current situation. Following on from that as well, that that then that experience for you personally, mm. when since June, the months since June that you've had and the people haven't been able to support you in the way that they maybe would have liked to yeah. support their friends or family members. T- t- to be honest, my my friends and family have been fantastic. Um, fam, my, me, my brothers, my dad, my stepmom, uh, my mum's partner. Um, we've all been there for each other. Mm. We've we've all been there for each other. We've you know I've talked my dad out of FaceTime. We've mm-hmm. you know we've we've found ways to yeah. be there for each other. Uh, I've got a great group of friends who have all banded around me and, and you know helped me. Um, in the months after the first month was a very, very strange feeling. I kind of felt in the first month of her not being here that she was just away somewhere. Mm. She, funnily enough, she was actually meant to go on holiday the day of the funeral. To, to spare, obviously, she wasn't going to go anyway because of yeah. COVID, but it just felt for the first couple of weeks that she was away somewhere and that she was she was off doing her thing. And then the reality kind of started hitting. I was going to the cemetery every day. It really started to dawn on me that, I've lost my mum. Mm. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, you, you, you were you're only here a few weeks ago and now now you're not here and, you know, it's all this about. And then sleep, started losing sleep, started getting stressed, started getting, you know, upset. I was going through a whole range of emotions. It was, I was laughing one minute at things that we used to do together, then I was crying and I was feeling guilty. Then I was, it was just a range of emotions. Mm. Um... And I got to kind of the August time and my dad actually managed to get us all the way on holiday for for a week. Um, managed to get out of the country, which was one of the lucky 1% really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember being away all week and obviously we had a, a nice time away, but just going back to my rear night and crying, mm-hmm. just being really upset and just thinking, thinking to myself like, you know, this is just, this is crazy. And it was then that I realised that I needed to, to get some help. Mm-hmm. I needed to get some help with it. So yeah. So what help have you had? What support did you get yourself? Um, so I kind of, kind of, I remember getting home one night. Um, I'd been out for a runner thing, and getting home one night and sitting, sitting in silence, didn't have the telly on, and I was crying. And I thought to myself, what would my mum do for me here? Because mm. I've, I've had issues in the past in my teens with with mental health issues and. Uh, mum, you know, I, I used to suffer really bad anxiety in crowds when I was younger. Um, so my mum got me help with that. Mm-hmm. I, I thought to myself, what would my mum do for me now in this situation? And I thought she'd get me to the doctor mm-hmm. and she'd, she'd sit down and, and we'd discuss options. The first thing I did the following morning, I phoned my doctor, filled out a form, got an appointment and spoke to my doctor. Funnily enough, it was one of the doctors that had dealt with my mum throughout, obviously, her illness. So she knew I was there the second I walked in. Mm. She says, I'm not going to ask you how you are. She said, you look shattered. Mm-hmm. You look worn out. You look like you need you need a break. And she filled out a sick note for me. And she said, we'll get that sent off to your work for you. You can have two weeks off. And I thought, nah, I, I really, I really want to keep busy. And she said, listen, she said, you need to get some help with this. You need to, you know, you need to just take your foot off the gas a little bit. And she put me in touch with the hospice, the Eden Valley Hospice, who'd actually looked after mum. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that there was a counselling team there, and they got me in touch with a counsellor. I started really? 12 weeks of counselling. Yeah. So I was going every every 10 days, 
roughly mm. uh, for counselling there. I love that in in that little moment there that your mum was still kind of there, kind of pushing you to go get that help. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could look at it that way. Yeah. In, in some ways, she she she'd done things for me in the past that kind of gave me the tools to know yeah. what to do, if that and makes as a, sense. As a mother, from a mother to mm. you, you know, I'm a mother of a son. As a mother, that's comforting for me to know mm. that, that her love sort of lived on. Sorry, I felt a little bit emotional that's there. Fine. but Sorry. that's um it, Yeah, it, I mean, there's, there's been little things that, like that, that, that I've kind of had to, you know, I've had, obviously we all have stressful situations, probably more so now than ever with mm-hmm. everything and, think to myself, you know, what my mum had done for me. Yeah. Because she was good at doing things for other people. She she sometimes maybe neglected herself in that way. Yeah. Uh, but she would always help others, and that was something that I kind of learned to help myself a little bit by seeing that. Mm. Um. So, yeah, getting the help was the best thing I did. Yeah. So have I, you finished that now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I finished it Um. two, two days before Christmas, actually. Yeah. I think that was my last appointment that I had. And I would recommend it to mm. anybody. I thought we've all lost people in the past. The vast majority of people that listen to this will have lost people in the past. And in some ways you do deal with it fine, but there'll be that one that you lose that you can't, you, mm. you struggle with. There's maybe the circumstances surrounding it, like I've described, or, you know, people now losing people with with COVID and things, yeah. I mean, that must be horrific. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he literally hear one minute gone the next, isn't yeah. it? You know, some of the things we're hearing. And can't recommend getting help enough. Yeah. Because it's done me the world of good doing it. Mm. And I'm stubborn, as you know. Yes, I do know. So. <laughs> but it's, um, it's traumatic. And like you say, especially for it to be so quick, your mum was a picture of health and everybody, mm. you know, I listened to her funeral service that day and, Everybody that spoke about her said, you know, she was really vibrant, full of energy, really healthy, always at the gym, mm-hmm. took great care of herself. So for a woman like that to be, like you say, so well and then so poorly so quickly and, yeah. and not here with you anymore, um, it's traumatic for you. So I'm so glad that you went and got that help. And yeah, I, I am as well. It, it's It's been something that, like I say, it, it, it's changed my outlook on a lot mm-hmm. of things. Obviously, losing my mum's changed my outlook on a lot of things, but getting the help has allowed me to look forward now instead of always looking back on the negatives with yeah. all. Because obviously, a heck of a lot of negatives to come out of all of this, but I'm I'm also taking a lot of positives from the mm-hmm. experience of, you know, the things that my mum has 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 done for me, the happy memories, little things like that. If there was um, one thing from your 12-week counselling then that you think really kind of was a bit of a turning point or one thing that you realised or that helped you the most that you think about, is there anything? Yeah, yeah. there's a couple, but there's one main thing. So when I, in, in, in the weeks and months after my mum died, I was I was a mess. I was, I was looking good on the outside, feeling absolutely terrible on the inside. I, I was, again, like I said, not sleeping, stuff like that. I didn't think that was normal. I, I thought that that is not normal behaviour, what I'm doing. You know, always sobbing and waking up crying, going to bed crying. Um, just, like I said, be, being angry and all that kind of thing. But going to the counsellor, she normalised the entire experience. Mm. And she said, I would be, you know, she said, what you're experiencing right now is completely normal. 
to begin with. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to apologize for feeling the way you feel, especially in this room. And it's totally normal to have a cry. Yeah. I'd cry on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. I was upset because something reminded me of it. Yeah. Um, but I now look back at the happy times now and, and try and not dwell too much on the situation that happened because there was nothing we could have done anyway. Mm. We were always looking for things, you know, miracle cures, yeah. you know, try this, try that. Nothing was going to... Nothing was going to save a life, sadly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, looking looking forward now and just trying to be more positive mm. about it. Do you prepare for, because um, obviously there's always going to be anniversaries, birthdays, mm. Christmas, Mother's Day, events like that throughout your life now where you're always going to be reminded of your mum yeah. and you'll be able to prepare for them. But at the same time, like you just said on Saturday, something obviously caught you unaware and mm. reminded you you can't prepare for them, whether it's a smell or a song mm. or um are you prepared for moments like that? I am I am personally, I can already speak for myself with that, but um I'm as prepared as I think I can be. Mm. Christmas was tough. Mm -hmm. Christmas was a very in a strange way, having a lockdown, semi lockdown, whatever you call it, whatever Boris put us in at Christmas, I haven't got a clue, but um, it kind of helped because it mean I didn't have to be pretending to be yeah. over the moon with mm. Christmas because I just wanted it to be over. So it was just me and my brother, my dad's, my stepmom and my niece. And it was very, it was a quiet Christmas, so it allowed me to get the first one out of the way. Mm. What I have done, I've got a habit in life of putting things in boxes mentally. Mm -hmm. So if I've got a problem, I'll box it until another day, until I need to address it. Or, you know, work, that's in a box, my past life's in a box. With with bereavement and with grief, you can't put it in a box. There's no box big enough. Yeah. So what I've actually done at home, and it was what my counsellor told me to do, I've created an actual memory box that I can go to. Mm -hmm. If ever I need to read a letter from her or a Christmas card, I've kept some Christmas cards that I've had throughout the years, which I can look at now, and that's my way of yeah. going into that kind of moment, I guess. Yeah. I don't quite know how to describe it, but... That's my way of kind of coping with it, mm. having that. I think that's a brilliant way as well. You've got all them them bits and bobs in there that you can yeah. sit, sit and think about. Just little things like bits of her jewellery that she had on. Um, there was a letter that she wrote because she had a she had a, in, a head injury about 10, 12 years ago and she wrote a diary. So mm. I've kept that. So there's little things that I can refer to, you know, little things and it helps. It, it does help in a way. It doesn't help in the immediate aftermath. It makes things worse. Yeah. You've got to be build yourself up to get to that mm -hmm. point. And like you say, obviously for you it took till December, so mm -hmm. from June till December. Is that I'm presuming that's about when you made your box at the end of your counselling, is it? Or I, I kind of built it up as the counselling began. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm I'm not over it mm -hmm. now. I don't think I'll ever get over it. I don't no. think anyone ever does. No. Um, when you when when you lose a parent, um, you you just you find a way to. To, to manage mm -hmm. your, your, your your life changes in a way and mm -hmm. you just find a way to look forward but but yeah I mean throughout the last few months I've I've obviously started going through a stuff mm -hmm. and because I've had a couple of boxes of things and I've added things to the box that I feel will will help me in the future mm -hmm. and then my, my brother's got some bits my, my other brother down in Yorkshire's got some as well so yeah it, it's helped mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that as well because I think for people listening, 
Um, I think that's a really helpful kind of practical tool. Mm. Um, there's a, you know, we could talk about the emotional side of things, but I think sometimes actually physically being able to do something practical yeah. can be really helpful for people. So thanks for sharing that little no tool. I think we also need to give credit to Eden Valley Hospice then as yeah. well for that 12-week counselling that you've had because it sounds like it's been really useful for you. Yeah, we're, we've done... You've probably seen on my Facebook the amount of promos, promotion stuff that me and the family have been doing, especially my brother. Um, they have not they've not only helped me, but the the support they gave my mum in the final weeks, mm. the, the 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 dignity and everything they gave her. Even even in a couple of days before she died, obviously she she got really ill mm. a couple of days beforehand, and they let me and my two brothers in. Lockdown rules were quite were relaxing a little bit then, mm. so they let the three of us in. Uh, to be with her and just just the dignity and and, and all the support that, that they give people, we are very lucky in Carlisle to have a hospice like that. Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't quite know what we'd have done as a family mm. without them. We are very lucky in Carlisle that that amazing support is out there, and I think the message that I'm taking from you and I think other people will take from this that are listening and are maybe struggling with similar things is that find the support there is lots of organizations out there that can offer you support with bereavement support with your mental health and as I always say it, it is always going to be helpful to talk about it to like you said earlier accept that it is absolutely normal yeah. to be feeling the way that you're feeling however you are feeling you are feeling it for a reason your body is telling yeah. you something so always find the help um if you're unsure where to go for that help you can always contact me at We Can Cumbria. Um, you can contact me on 08000 386 or Jenna at uk. And by all means, I'll help you find the support that you need. Um, but thanks again, Andy, for coming no and just telling us your story. And I think your openness and your honesty will really be helpful for other people that are struggling. Um, so thanks again. You're welcome. If it can help someone then that's yeah it's all good that's isn't what it? i always say even if yeah. we can help one one other person it makes it all worthwhile so thank you very much absolutely thank you thanks